Welcome back to the Broncos Avenue podcast. This is Amir from Broncos Avenue on Instagram and Twitter, joined by my co-host Trayton today. Um, today we're going to be previewing the Week 7 game against the New York Jets, who are standing at a 4-2 and record, while the Broncos at a very uh, disappointing 2-4 and record in the AFC. Um, very, looking very much forward to this uh, matchup. Um, obviously, Broncos fans not too thrilled with the way uh, last week went on Monday Night Football. Um, against the Chargers, and you know now the Broncos have to turn around in a short week. Um, obviously, the Broncos are dealing with some injuries, but today, what you need to look forward to in this episode, what are the keys to victory against the Jets? Will Russell Wilson or Brett Rippon start for Denver? And how can Denver avoid to dropping to 2-5? and five? How are you doing today, my friend, Trayton? Uh, I'm doing well. My fantasy team could be better, though. Uh, <laughs> man, that... CMC trade I felt that one that's for damn sure as a as a proud Elijah Mitchell fantasy manager yeah last night was rough dude can we just talk about that I feel like honestly the the Panthers won that trade you're talking about like the team I honestly felt like the Niners who have um Jeff Wilson who can pop off at times we've seen that and Elijah Mitchell I mean his future is I wouldn't say in doubt now with the um, 49ers, but like he's definitely not going to be um, the one seeing the majority of the touches anymore. And CMC, it thrills when he's getting plenty of touches. I mean, this dude, he's up there with like Jim Brown and some of the all-time greats in terms of like uh, scrimmage yards per game. Um, so you would assume that the Niners are going to use him a lot there in San Francisco. Or they could, you know, with knowing his injury history, they could kind of lean away from that. But I don't know. They got a second, third, and a fourth, I believe, and maybe even a fifth as well. I I, I do believe they got a fifth as well. That's Um, insane. Yeah, you know, and normally, like, and and I mean, I I feel like I'm like everyone else when it comes to trading for running backs, you know, and and then signing running backs to massive extensions. Um, I mean, I'll be the first one to say, uh, you know, to push back on that. But actually, like, this is one of the rare instances in where I feel like, I feel like both teams win this trade regardless. Uh, you know, looking at, I mean, it, it, looking at the draft compensation, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's a lot, but at the same time, like, I, just, I, and this may just be like my bias towards uh, Kyle Shanahan, but uh, I think he is one of the most like gifted schematical geniuses in the NFL. And just like with the way that they use Debo, and then too, just like their their running, like their running game and blocking scheme in general. Uh, I mean, if and if you look at the 49ers, like since Shanahan has been there, I mean, it doesn't matter how bogged down by injuries they are. At least in the running game, I they they like they figure out ways to produce. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson, they like anybody they throw in there is getting yards, is being you know an effective runner. And just especially, like, his creativeness, just, like, the way he uses Debo and whatnot. And then I think CMC is also a very versatile player. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, if if CMC went, went to any other team, I would 100% say that the, the Panthers won this trade. And I think they got a great return for him. Um, but I, I just with the way that I think, uh, Kyle Shanahan can use McCaffrey and how lethal he's going to be with that rushing attack. I like this is an instance where I think both teams win the trade. I love the move. Yeah, I mean, I, um, definitely. I think for both teams, they're going to benefit from this uh, greatly. Um, I wouldn't say the Panthers are in like a blow it up kind of move, uh, you know, um, place right now. But I feel like running backs are so easily replaceable in the NFL, um, especially today. Um, there's just so many talented backs, but at the same time, you know, uh, Chris McCaffrey's, you know, really, really, really special back. Um, so I can't argue too much against the 49ers on this one. Um, it just, it was a lot of draft capital. Um, but at the same time, the 49ers, if anybody's going to be getting, you know, trading a lot for a star running back, it would probably be the 49ers just because, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, he can utilize basically anything to produce greatly on offense and the fact that he's getting, you know, a top three running back in Christian McCaffrey is pretty scary. Uh, I'm glad they got him after we played the 49ers because we probably would be sitting at, what, uh, one and five now? I Yep. Yep. I do believe they are one and five. And, I, and actually, I did see the – I just looked up the official uh, trade 
the trade details and you were right it is a it's a second third and a fourth in 2023 and then a fifth round in 2024 that's insane yeah that's a back. yeah for a running back like um any fans that follow like nfl transactions over the last like 10 years or so i i don't think i've ever seen anything like this for a running back it's pretty incredible um i i you know the nfc teams I, i don't really care much how it goes for them but um obviously uh Chris McCaffrey, Ed McCaffrey, the Broncos roots. He also has the Shanahan roots. Um, it was really cool to see that. Um, and now we can kind of uh, trend away from that, you know, addressing those that breaking news um, for those teams. We can kind of talk about some uh, injury news for the Broncos. The final injury report came out today as of Friday um, for the Broncos uh, this Sunday against the Jets. So with Sam Bassey, the corner, um, slot corner, has been ruled out. Um, Caden Stearns, his hip is still bothering him. He um, did not practice today, and he is doubtful. So he went from being limited to uh, a DNP. So, yeah, I'm, I can almost guarantee you guys he's not going to be playing um, on Sunday. It's just going to be too hard of a turnaround for him. Um, Deshaun Williams is questionable. Uh, he popped up on the injury report with a back injury um, today, and he did not practice. So that's something I monitor. Deshaun Williams has been like – one of the most quiet, just really um, all-around complete defensive lineman for the Broncos this season. This dude, um, every time he's out, out, out there on the field, it seems like he's kind of a younger Shelby Harris uh, making plays for the Broncos. He's something that we uh, we really uh, value there on the defensive line. Um, Quinn Miners is questionable. Uh, that foot is bothering him. Um, Josie Jewell, once again, is questionable. He was limited today. DJ Jones is questionable with an ankle injury now. Um, and then Russell Wilson, obviously the biggest news of the week for the Broncos. Um, Russell Wilson, hamstring injury he suffered against the Chargers. Um, he is limited for Sunday's game against the Jets. Obviously something that's been debated quite a bit this week. How do you feel about the quarterback spot? Do you think the Broncos should just play it easy and have Brett Rippon start his second NFL game against the Jets again? Um, or do you think, you know, if Russell Wilson's ready to go, then just put him in there and kind of risk uh, – possibly uh hurting that hamstring again well you know this is a tough question to answer for you know a multitude uh multitude of reasons because mm-hmm. it, it, i think i have probably a lot less of an optimistic outlook on the remainder of the season uh than probably the coaching staff does so and, and i you know that's where it comes like that's where i'm coming from is in their minds i think that they still think that the season the season is salvageable um, and two, and that's another kicker of the season is also, you know, we're not benefiting by getting a higher draft pick or at least not a first or a second rounder. So like we, we gain nothing by being bad this season. Um, but I mean, I, I think in their minds, I, I, and I think if Russ is ready to go, he's going to go. But, yeah. um, at this point, in my opinion, I think our chances of winning are better if Russ plays, whether he's hurt or not, but just as far as what the the smart decision would be, I think I think Rippin should be out there. And I mean, and another thing too, you know, I I, I don't really think the team matters, but because um, you know rosters were in a lot of different places back then. But I mean, his his one and only NFL NFL start was a win against the Jets. So I mean, I guess there's that, but. Uh, as far as the outlook of the game with him at quarterback, I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel very confident, but at the same time, you never know. I, I have no clue. Maybe there's a, you know, who knows, maybe there's a spark in the offense just with getting a new guy in there for a week. Uh, I'm, and by no means am I saying Brett Rippon is better than Russell Wilson, but I, you know, I think Tomlin a few weeks ago made a really good point about the quarterback position is just a, a change at the position can provide a spark. Um, and so I, I, I think it's possible that maybe Rippon goes out there and we, you know, we see the, the Broncos offense, like I, and I, the, the bar is low, but I, I wouldn't put it past him if Rippon goes out there and we see the best offensive performance that we've seen all year from the Broncos. But, um, I also do think that a lot of probably, uh, a lot of boneheaded mistakes will be in there, you know? Um, just if you look back to Rippon's first career start, there were a lot of errant throws and, uh, iffy decision-making, but yeah, I mean, he's a backup, so that's what you expect. 
Um, however, I yeah, I, I think that this is a I think this is a game that could go either way, regardless of who's starting at quarterback. But um, uh, yeah, I, I as far as as far as what I think we should do is I think we should sit Russ, but I I think he's going to end up starting. Oh really? Um, yeah, I've yeah I've seen a lot on man Twitter for the for Broncos fans can be uh, it's it can be so split. A lot of I see a lot of fans talking about the Broncos should uh, go ahead and give Russ the week off and just see what they can get with Brett. But I mean, what do you get out of that? Seeing what you get out of your backup quarterback. I mean, obviously to get him more experience, that's good. I mean, that's also what the preseason is for. But you know, obviously preseason and regular season are two different things. But I don't know. Just to me, if if Russ is ready to go, why not play Russ? I know there's a chance of risking injury, but this is at the end of the day. That's what that's what you know. You're risking in the NFL. You're risking injury, anyways. I mean, that's what these players know going into the, these games. Um, I saw, I believe it was on a last week on the Thursday Night Football uh, broadcast. They're talking about players, uh, go, you know, um, kind of lying to team doctors or just kind of you know brushing off their injuries to to speed up the process, and then you know returning to action in those games because you know these players they want to play. They're not gonna you know, sugarcoat anything. They, they want to be out there. Um, you know, if Russ wants to be out there and he feels he's good, then why not play him? Um, and like you said, I really, I like that point that you bring up. What do the Broncos get out of losing games? Um, they're not getting a better draft pick um, unless you're talking about the third round, but um, yeah, we, we got to win as many games as we can. It doesn't matter if you want a better draft pick or what um, we don't have a first or second rounder. Um so yeah, we, we need to win these games. Um, if Russ is ready to go, I think he should go. Um, Russ puts us in a much better position to win games, um, and it also raises the question. Um, obviously, the the Jets defense it'd be easier to game plan against Brett Rippon rather than uh, Russell Wilson, but just because Russell Wilson's game, um, you know, ha- he has more imp- uh, improvising and he can make you know more throws, different angles. Um, obviously, the offensives. Um, he hasn't been able to do that as much this season, but it kind of raises the question, um, you know, how have they game game plan for this uh, team this week? Um, you know, I know some people are probably thinking, you know, this offense is so bland and boring, but it is diff- it's different when you have two different quarterbacks who you don't – the Jets still don't know who's starting, um, probably up until like a few hours before game time. Um, so that that's kind of just something that, you know, so lets in the back of your head. Um and in terms of keys to victory, what what do you think the Broncos have to do this Sunday to come out with the win? Um, and how do you feel? How do you feel about the Jets um, overall? Do you think uh, they're a team that we're going to be able to uh, get this one, get a win over uh, them, or do you think it's going to be one that we're going to have to, you know, it's going to come down to one of the last minutes in the fourth quarter? Um, I mean, well, I I think we have a good enough roster to beat any any team in the NFL, but. Um, just with what obviously what we've seen through the first six weeks and then uh, uncertainty at the quarterback position, you might be trotting and uh, hurt Russell Wilson out there or your backup. So uh, regardless, I mean, this game is going to be tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it could go either way. I think this is a pretty close one, but um, I think the two keys to victory is a stop the run. And then just, I, I, this sounds like lazy analysis, but just give me fucking something on offense something get over 20 points that's all i'm asking uh like even that would be encouraging at this point seriously um i i don't know what else to say it's gotten to the point to where it's just and you know and that's another thing that i i i've realized watching the film is it seems like it's a different problem on a play-to-play basis um obviously i think the big uh, the biggest problem still after watching the l22 uh tall six games is Still, Russ is just missing throws, uh, missing, uh, making reads that he normally wouldn't have made, uh, but or in Seattle at least. But uh, I mean, if he plays, I obviously, and I think that's kind of just this is just the key to victory every week until we do see improvement. Is we're just looking for some sort of an improvement with the offense and with Russ. Um, we need to start seeing him hit those you know, like bread and butter throws that he always used to hit in Seattle that he's not making here for whatever reason. Um, 
And I, I think uh, the chemistry is uh, offensively as a whole, I think that's a, that's a huge, huge part of this game, but, uh, and as it has been for the past six weeks and that's, that's been off uh, almost every week. And uh, I, you, you have to see improvement at some point um, and you're just not going to win football games if you don't. Uh, I, I don't think, I think even if we put up a similar performance to last week, I don't think it'll be enough to beat the Jets. Um, I don't, I think the Jets are worse than their record suggests, but I still think that they're a, you know, they're a respectable football team that can't be taken lightly. Um, and I, their defense is, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure statistically, but um, I do believe that they're in the top half of the league. You know, you got sauce Gardner over there court and sauce. That's going to be a matchup to watch. And then uh, DJ Reed that, you know, their, their secondary is great. And then you got Quentin Williams coming up uh, in the front that it's, it's going to be a battle everywhere. Uh, and this is, I, I'd even argue that this is probably one of the biggest defensive tests we've, uh, we faced. Um, I think the only, I'd say probably the 49ers are the only team with a better defense we've played on our schedule. Um, and the the Chargers are up there as well, but they're not fully healthy. So I I think this is going to be another low, uh, another low scoring game, especially, just because the matchup isn't favorable. And I mean, we haven't even been able to surpass 16 to 23 points against uh, like, I mean, not uh, average defenses, just blatantly bad, bad defenses like that are ranking in the bottom quarter of the league statistically. And we still haven't been able to produce offensively. So, um, you know, at this point, it's just I, I'm kind of in prove-it mode. Uh, you know, I don't know what else to say about this offense. It's just, I mean, nothing's working. Uh, there's spurts and flashes here and there, but that's not, you know, that's this is the NFL. Spurts and flashes aren't good enough. And uh, at least as far as the offensive side of the ball, I think we're going to see uh, it's going to be same shit, different week. And then, but as far as defensively, I think this is where it gets really interesting. And actually, this is where I get really nervous because um, the, what the Jets are doing offensively right now is kind of different from what we've seen from any other team we've played so far. Um, you know, I, I think Michael LaFleur, the Jets, uh, Jets OC, uh, Sala, and, you know, they're, they're both great coaches. Um, but LaFleur, he, you know, he, and he's going to be one offensive coordinator that's I, – I think he's going to be getting a head coaching candidate or he's going to be getting head coaching interviews – uh, come January and uh, he's a guy to definitely look out for and I what he's been doing with that Jets offense is honestly really remarkable um, I think they're really talented but it's become clear to me it seems as if they don't trust Zach Wilson um, I mean if you look at the past few games I believe this week he only threw he only had uh, 19 pass attempts and then the week before it was 21 and so it, it, what that tells me is that they clearly don't trust him throwing the ball and just judging off of what we've seen, I'd say that's a completely fair assessment. I'd, I'd say it's fair not to trust him. Uh, he, he's great at making big plays, but you, you know, you can't, uh, that's not sustainable for running an offense like that, making the throws. I mean, he, he kind of, he almost reminds me of Drew in ways is uh, just like bomb, yes. you know, bombing it into triple coverage. And, uh, and I will say he's gotten better with uh, given what the defense takes him over, over the last few games, I'd say, but I, uh, the Jets offense, everything about it tells me that they don't trust Zach Wilson and that they're not going to be throwing the ball very much. And then too, when, when you're running the ball that much, yeah, I mean, you can't just sit there and, uh, run inside zone or even outside zone play after play after play, you know, teams are going to figure it out and it's going to be easy to stop. Um, so, and they've gotten really, really creative with their rushing attack. You know, you, they got Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Um, I think Brees is a, has superstar potential, if not already there. And then Michael Carter is a plenty, uh, plenty capable back. Um, and so I think that the key, I think the biggest key to this game defensively is stop the run. Uh, and then again, you know, it sounds like lazy analysis, but offensively, I just need to see something. Yeah, I want to see the Broncos go back to what they were doing week one. And um, this is it's actually kind of funny because 
in the in the first game against the Seahawks, obviously they only put up 16 points, but they were driving the football down the field. It, it was just the obviously, um, you know, the national uh, laughing stock of the media. They were they got to the red zone, even the goal line, and they were just fumbling. Um, they just couldn't convert. Um, you know, players like Eric Tomlinson foot out of bounds. Um, obviously, Sauber uh, dropped one. Um, I I felt like what they were doing week one, they need to go back to it. They need to get the ball out quick. They need to hit the short and intermediate throws. They need to focus on also establishing the run game, not drifting away from that. Um, I think Latavius Murray is some, some uh, signing that, uh, you know, we're kind of overlooking because I feel like he can be a uh, pretty effective back for us. He showed that last week in literally just a short week for the Broncos. Um that we, you know, we signed him. Um, I feel, I feel like if this offense can go back to the fundamentals of getting the ball out fast, uh, getting the short game going in terms of passing and establishing the run game, we can, we can go back to doing that. Obviously the Seahawks, they, they don't have the best defense. In fact, they're one of the worst. Um, but I feel like that's a good recipe and formula for where the Broncos offense can figure out how to get back on track. Um, I, you know, the Broncos right now, it's looking really nasty. They're averaging 15.2 points per game, dead last in the NFL. Um, there with like the Bears, just awful. Um, and then in terms of uh, and you look at the Jets side of the ball, um, like you were saying, they they tr- they honestly don't trust Zach Wilson. Um, it's looking like early uh, since he returned from his injury in the few games, the sample size that we've seen from him. Uh, Zach Wilson is averaging 191 pass yards per game. That is 30th in the NFL. Um, you know, they're, and I won't argue too much of that because, you know, the running game is super important in, uh, in the NFL and, um, you know, the, over the last few weeks, the Jets have been killing it, but believe it or not, over the total of the season, and I don't know how this has to do too much with, uh, Zach Wilson, but the Jets offense is averaging 110.7 rushing yards per game. That is 18th in the NFL. So technically it is below average, but the last few weeks they have been getting going. Um, Brees Hall has been finding his way, um, but guess who's right, guess who's right behind them? The Denver Broncos, 110.2 um, rushing yards per game and 19th. And then you look at the the rush defenses for um, both teams. Um, the Jets defense is allowing 105.3 rushing yards per game. That's basically the same as you know their rushing offense. That's 12th in the league, so it's a pretty good rush defense. And guess who's right behind them? The Broncos. They're allowing 105.8 rushing yards per game, 13th best run defense in the league. So if you look at the trenches, this is probably as even as, it can, as it's going to get all season. Um, I, you know, finding those stats was really interesting to me. Um, the, uh, the Jets' um, rushing attack isn't as great as everyone may uh, portray it to be. And, you know, like I said, it has been finding its way over the last few weeks. But, um, you know, it's kind of crazy that the thing that shocked me more about that stat was the fact that um, despite sustaining these injuries uh, late. And, um, you know, obviously the Broncos' uh, rushing attack looked better in the beginning of the season with Javante Williams. But the fact that they're still, um, you know, they're top 20 in rushing offense when with losing Javante, you would think it would be much worse than that. And then Melvin obviously uh, being benched. And, you know, now Latavius Murray seems to be uh, – obviously Melvin Gordon was announced as a starter, but it's kind of be uh, 50-50 with them. Uh, we're right there with the Jets, and so uh, in terms of the trenches, this is a very, this is as even as it gets. Um, and then you know, uh, de- defensively, besides the, um, you know, the Jets obviously, like you said, it's a it's a really underrated defense because they're averaging the thing that separates the um, the Jets defense from the Broncos defense. The Jets defense is averaging 1.7 takeaways a game. That's fifth in the NFL, while the Broncos are averaging 1.2, which is 19th. So. Um, the thing that the Robert Solid does well is, you know, he get, he generates takeaways. He gen, he has um, some his defense has uh, of the most interceptions um, in the NFL, um, while the Broncos have have only had I think believe I believe three this season. So that's kind of where um, the Broncos. This is kind of where you can, um, as a fan, you can expect the difference to be of the game. I feel like it's going to come down to turnovers. Um, if Brett Ripon is starting this game. Um, this could be a huge, huge factor. Um, obviously, we don't know who the starter will be for this team. But, yeah, uh, turnovers, it's going to be a huge thing. Um, the Jets' offense is averaging 23.8 points per game. That's 11th in the league. They're really almost top 10. 
and they literally had Joe Flacco for the um, the majority so far of their season. So that's crazy to me. Um, obviously, the Broncos are last in offense. That's going to be huge. So once again, it's looking like on paper the Broncos defense. Uh, you know, if God, you know, somehow the Broncos offense figures it out this week, then maybe the Broncos defense won't have to carry. But it's lo- it's looking like it's going to be that way again. Um, this week, the Jets right now on offense are just on fire, and Zach Wilson isn't having to do shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, right now in the trenches, it looks super even. Um, defense in terms of rhythm right now uh, looks pretty even. Obviously, the Broncos have a better defense, but um, yeah, it, I feel like it's gonna come. It's gonna come to takeaways this game, and if the Broncos' offense can get going. Yeah, you know, and it, well, and that's another thing I want to address what you said. Uh, you know, and, and statistically, that's why I said I'm not sure what uh, what the Jets are looking like in all aspects statistically, uh, because and I, I think the first three weeks were kind of misleading as well, and with their offense as well, yeah. uh, they had they had Joe Flacco under center, and even then they they showed more willingness to pass the ball with Joe Flacco under center than they did Zach Wilson. If that tells you anything, um, yeah, grant, granted, also the, I, I'll give it to them because the uh, the game script kind of called for that but um i i do think that the first two to three weeks of their season is kind of misleading as far as defensive stats and that's that's kind of what i was pointing at is uh like just the past three weeks um and you know this like the jets defense has been hot lately so that's kind of that's like that's the defense i'm expecting to get um and too they played some decent offenses in the in the beginning of the year so uh, I think I think those definitely kind of skew the stats, but I, I think we're going to get a much better version of the Jets defense this week. Um, but yeah, and that's just where like the way I view it is, um, you know, last week we had a hurt Chargers defense. Um, the week before we had a Colts defense that while it was respectable, it was nothing special. Um, and then you had uh, you had a Raiders defense even like the week before. Um I mean, really, the only two defenses that I like that I really think are, uh, you know, notable tests that we've played this year, are the 49ers and, um, and the Jets this week, the Jets this week. Um, and I, I just regardless of the matchup, we haven't really been able to produce offensively. Nothing's changed. Um, and so that's why I think this is regardless of who's at quarterback, my, you know, my gut tells me it's going to be a just a another low scoring defensive uh, defensive game, but uh, and that's why I think the run, like the the run game is you know the, like the, the run game dictates this whole this whole game to me. Um, I think whoever dominates, you know, I think whoever is more efficient in the run game, I think they are going to be the team to win this game and to uh, whoever wins the turnover battle. Um, and this is another week where I and that's you know that's my thing. I, I I did see a stat last week where the Broncos I think are are in the you know the very top of the league in forced fumbles. So that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, they just can't but, get the, get the recoveries. Yeah. And then, and, well, and, that, and that's another thing. I think that's going to start, you know, I think when it comes to fumble recoveries, I definitely think effort. I mean, obviously effort's a factor in there, but um, I, I, I kind of think that like fumble recoveries, I almost feel like whether you jump on it or not, I, I, I do kind of feel like that that can be fluky and almost luck based at times. Yeah it's just kind of where the ball bounces and who, who's there to fall on it. But exactly. um, I, and I, I'd expect that to start tipping more in our favor. Uh, so there's that. Um, but, and then the other thing is I, you know, I don't know how much the, I don't know how much the jets are going to throw the ball. I mean, they ha- they haven't done, done it much the past two weeks. And then two with this defensive matchup, I have even more reason to believe that they'll pass the ball even less than they have the past two weeks. So, I'm not sure there's going to be a, a whole lot of chances to really uh, test Zach Wilson and force him to be a playmaker. But, um, and I think that, and that's what I, you know, I think if we can stop the run and we force Zach Wilson to throw the ball and be a playmaker, I think we're going to be in amazing win this game. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think just, I think that the, the, the one weakness on this, and I wouldn't even really consider it a weakness, just the uh, the weakest part of this defense is the run defense. And um, I, I would I would say that that's definitely a matchup to watch. 
I think I think we definitely have the talent and we're mo- more than capable of neutralizing it. But, um, you know, the Jets are strongest on offense where we are weakest on defense, uh, and that is the run game. So I, I definitely, if we can't stop the run, I don't think we have a chance in this game. But um, if we can at least contain Brees Hall, I think that is the biggest key to this game. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's going to be the, you know, the, the those two things right there is just – everything is going to be predicated off the run and then uh, force Zach Wilson to be a playmaker. And that, or, and that, you know, the, and then the turnover battle, whoever, whoever wins that has a, has a good chance at winning the game. So. Yeah. If you can, if you can stop Brees Hall and uh, Michael Carter, and then you can, uh, you know, late in the game pressure Zach Wilson, which obviously this Broncos uh, edge attack is insane. Even without Brandon Gregory, Um, we saw Jonathan Cooper even get a force uh, fumble last week, um, strip sack last week, and then, you know, Nick Benito's still developing. So if we can get that on a young quarterback. Um, the Jets' offensive line, though, is it's pretty solid. I'll say that, um, you know, all kudos to them. The very young offensive line is finding their way. Um, but, yeah, if we can do those two things and then contain the penalties, penalties have been just insanely – it's just too much. It's just – it's cringe at, at some point. <laughs> at points, you're just like – First and ten, you know, there's a holding coming, or there's a whatever it may be, just anything. Um, it's it's almost predictable at times for uh, this team. It's out of hand, but yeah, if we can stop the run pressure, Zach Wilson, and contain the penalties, I think this will be a locked up uh, dub for the Broncos. Um, and so now I want to, before we jump into uh, this next segment, um, I would like to announce the winner of uh, last week's uh, score prediction. Um, on my uh, Instagram at Broncos Avenue, I put up a story poll um, where you guys guessed the um, final score for the Chargers game. And um, it was Broncos News underscore post who guessed the closest. Um, so congratulations to you. You guessed the closest. Um, shout out to uh, Broncos News post. Make sure to follow him on Instagram. Um, and so now I want to jump into our fantasy football segment um, where we – um, we'll be answering your guys' questions for this week. Um, hope you guys are doing well in fantasy. I hope our uh, advice is helping you guys with your starter, six, uh, starter sit suggestions. Um, so here we have our first question. Um, who do I start at tight end? I uh, asked by Bradley810. Uh, do I start TJ Hawkinson or David Njoku? TJ Hawkinson or David Njoku? That's a good, that's a good one, but I – I may be overly, I may be unreasonably high on TJ Hawkinson, but I think, uh, I think TJ's a start every week. Um, I don't love the matchup at all, but I, I do think that, you know, he's going to get his guaranteed and I, you know, and I also don't love the matchup at the Ravens. Um, I think that could be, I, I, I think they both have really tough matchups. Um, and then, you know, Hawkinson coming off of a big game uh, right before the bye. I got, I got to go Hawkinson until I, unless he drops a few duds, he's a must start for me. Nice. Nice. Um, this is a good one. Um, McQuay Darden asks, how do you feel about Alvin Kamara this season? Fantasy wise. Um, well, and I mean, the thing I've said all along with Kamara is, um, I think with, with Jameis, I have, seriously contemplated uh like i I, i've started waiver wire guys over Jameis at the very or over camara uh at the very beginning of the season if Jameis is at quarterback and i think that's just because uh that's because they their offense is a lot more vertical um with him at quarterback but with as long as andy dalton or even Taysom hill either one of those guys are in there they're you they're utilizing the short the uh, the quick game so much more and that's where that's where Kamara uh that's where he excels and so and it's it's just even like for example uh you, you look at through the first three weeks of the season yeah first three weeks of the season uh with Jameis at quarterback uh you know 7.6 fantasy points he was hurt week two and then 7.3 and then since Andy Dalton's been back uh Seattle since he uh, Arizona 23.4 18.4 17.5 uh you know and the last two games haven't been those haven't been like elite 
the, that's not like elite running back production. That's not what you want from your RB one, which is what Kamara is. But I, I still think like now that Dalton is at quarterback, I think he's a must start every week as far as whether Jameis is going to take over the starting job again. And actually Kamara would be one that I would, I would wait for him to have another big game or even possibly now, if you can, I, he, he's a really good, uh, sell high candidate for me. Uh, because I think as soon as Jameis, if he does come back at some point, um, I think his, I think Kamara's fantasy production is going to take a massive drop. Cool. Cool. Real will Reeves 22 asks when all healthy and not on their bye weeks um, who do I start? My running back core right now is Derrick Henry, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Holy cow. That's a lot. Um, I mean, okay, Henry and Swift are in there, and then Pierce. Um, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, Clyde is another guy. I mean, I think I'd, I'd say his sell high window is officially closed, but, yeah. um, Clyde, he, he's, a, I think he's a good player, but he is a player that is overly relying on touchdowns. And we've already talked about this on here before touchdowns are a fluky stat. Um, if, a, if a player is, you know, having a really great start to their season or even just a really good run, and then you look at their production and it's it's like their fantasy points is uh, mostly coming from games with multiple touchdowns. Um, if, they, if they're just a player that's relying on touchdowns for fantasy production, that, that is a sell-high candidate. Get rid of them as fast as possible because um, getting the amount of touchdowns that uh, Clyde was getting in the beginning of the season, that's just not sustainable. Um, it's not going to happen every week. So if you can still sell high on him, by all means, go sell him. But um, I'd say Henry and Swift are your starts every week for sure. Um, And then obviously we have to see how Pierce and Walker continue to progress. Um, But I I would say as of now, I I would say Pierce would probably go, go in the flex. And obviously that depends on your receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I, I think Walker also, I think he's a, also a really solid flex option, but we've seen like uh, technically like a game and a half from him. So it's too early for me to just like start him without questioning, if you know what I mean. So I, yeah, I'd say, I'd say if I had to rank him, I'd say Pierce, uh, not Pierce, uh, Swift and Henry are your for sure week to week. They're starting RB one, RB two. And then, uh, Pierce would probably be my third as like, if you wanted to throw him in a flex spot and then Ken, uh, Walker would be right after that. Next question. Uh, DRB asks Alec Pierce or Mike Williams. PS two has got this dude rethinking his wide receiver lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Pierce or Mike Williams. I love it. Um, <laughs> oh man, this is a, yeah, this is a fun one. PS two has got people going crazy. This is hard for me because um, this uh, that Mike William ha- he has a really interesting matchup this week and too, and I'm not I'm not even sure who's going to be shadowing him for most of the game because uh, Tariq Woolen I mean he's the truth uh, I I think it's safe to say that yeah uh, and then we're also kind of like uh, we're kind of on the edge on whether Keenan Allen's going to play or not obviously if Keenan's back. Uh, I'd say Woolen's going to be covering him for most of the game, but then you, if it's Mike Williams again, he's going to get the bulk, the bulk of the targets I would guess. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at both Mike Williams and Tariq Woolen's, I'm going really in depth here, but if you look at their, just like the profile of both of those guys, like that, those are both just two guys that are just absolute freaks of nature. Um, I think that is going to be such an entertaining matchup to watch, but I'm, I'm just really – I am kind of concerned. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm really concerned about how uh, Mike Williams is going to hold up in that matchup because PS2 completely – I mean, he just completely neutralized him. Yeah. Uh, Mike Williams was a non-factor. So, um, my it, it was Mike Williams and who, my bad? Uh, Mike Williams and Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, Pierce definitely has the favorable matchup. I, I think uh, – I think Pierce is probably the the safer play, but um, I think Mike gives you a bit of a, 
bit more upside. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. Woolen's a, Woolen's a, a rookie corner, and Mike Williams is a hell of a lot better than Pierce. I just like Pierce's matchup more. So uh, I suppose I'm just going to go – I'm going to make this take under the assumption Keenan's back, and I'm going to say start Mike. Uh, Wone7 asks, start or sit Melvin Gordon? Start – well, and again, this is – for everyone who, who has a start or sit question – Please give me like give me another option as to uh like as to who like what your options are, mm. um, but I I that's such a hard one this week because that's that's the thing I mean Melvin Gordon uh it just yeah I mean he's been a roller coaster the past few weeks um I think it's totally possible I to be honest with just with the Melvin Gordon situation I have absolutely zero fucking clue what the coaching staff is doing with him. Um, yeah, I have Lata- I have Melvin Gordon in one of my leagues. Um, one of my leagues, I have just a lot of star receivers, and then I have Melvin Gordon and Josh Jacobs. And after I saw him getting benched, and he had three carries for eight yards, I was like, "All right, let me go pick up Latavius Murray real quick." And then l- literally hours later, um, uh, Hackett's announcing uh, Melvin Gordon is a starter after he had a a combo with him. Um, which I wonder what they talked about because if you Bench your uh your starting running back for a running back you literally just picked up who's like over thirty something years old, um, which you know in hindsight obviously it looks like the the right decision, but you have a combo with him and then you know hours later you're announcing he's a starter in your press conference after he just had um a lot of you know uh, bad behavior and attitude in response to that decision and he was liking tweets about him being traded, um. It's all it's all so confusing right now, and it, honestly, it feels like there's a lack of maturity and um, you know just leadership with the coaching staff right now in terms of how that situation is being handled. And you know, I, I picked up Latavius Murray, I put him in my starting lineup, and I see that, and I'm like, I don't, bro, I don't know what to do. Like, I could honestly, I don't know if Melvin Gordon's gonna be benched again this this Sunday. Oh, well, and that's what I mean. That's that's why I said this is such a hard one because. I think it is totally possible that Melvin goes out there and gets the first carry. He starts at running back. I think it's totally possible he goes out there and starts. And then I think it's totally possible he could go off for 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Or it's also perfectly possible that he has the same exact week like last week and he sits on the sidelines all game. Okay. Uh, so, I it's just – yeah, that, that's, that one's really hard for me. Um I, I have absolutely, if you're starting Melvin, I, I would say he's a sit just based off of the limited info that was given. But I mean, if you're starting Melvin, your running back options have to be very, very, very depleted. Um, I mean, like for me at this point, I, yeah, like, I mean, I'd start Latavius Murray over him at this point. So, um, and I'm sure he's, in, he's on waivers in most leagues, so. Um, just with the limited info given, yeah, I, I would say he's definitely not a start, but, um, you know, your own running back situation, but it, so I guess if you are that depleted at running back, I guess he could be a start, but I wouldn't expect anything great. <laughs> yeah. I'm so torn. on like, what to do there? Um, yeah. And that's, I'm glad you touched on that as well, because that's one thing I wanted to touch on too is, uh, and, and I just don't get the logic from the coaching staff here. And he, you know, he's, a vis- I, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I, he, he was visibly pouting on the sideline. He was pouting like a child. Uh, I, I think, and I think there was even a clip where we rushed for like a first down and then you can see right after the play, Melvin's shaking his head. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it, you're, cheer on your teammates it's like there's you know there's plenty of examples of players that aren't getting the playing time that they probably want around the league and yet they they're still on the sideline uh supporting their teammates and melvin did the exact opposite yeah Uh, that that little stuff hurts the team yeah exactly you know and that's uh and then two for hackett to follow up and his response to that behavior is to make him start this week it's like what the like I duh, excuse my language, but what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> and the worst part, the worst part was to me that kind of, I don't let these things like, you know, piss me off or anything, but like he literally, after Melvin was like you said, pouting and, you know, going on social media, liking tweets about him being traded, 
Um, there's some there, he liked like two tweets that were saying trade Melvin for Cam Akers, and um, literally like during uh, Hackett's next uh, press conference, he's like, "Oh, Melvin's such a pro. I lo- I love this guy. Um, he's such a professional." I'm like, "Dude, are you are you serious? The entire world saw on national television. They like they kept putting the camera on him. This dude was just." And it, I felt really bad. I did see the uh, the post-game interview in the locker room. He said that uh, on, like, the Chargers, Jumbotron or whatever, they put, like, a, a clown face on him or something. I, I, I honestly didn't see any clips of that, but that's kind of, that's fucked up, to be honest. Um, but, you know, there was so much that went into that. And I can understand if he was upset about that. Um, but then he also went to say that, he, you know, he didn't understand at all why he was being benched, um, which we all know why he, he was benched. Um, it it did come out of the ordinary though because you know he didn't fumble at all in that game and he did come in as a starter but um, it's just all it's all so confusing um, and I I have no idea who I'm gonna start um, in you know Latavius Murray or Melvin Gore in my fantasy but um, our, our last question for our, this fantasy football segment um, two fourteen Cody asks should I start Greg Dulcich Melvin Gordon or Latavius Murray at flex another Broncos fantasy question. Oh man, that's that's a really good one. Um, I I really really have better options than those at flex. Uh, man, dude, how about Greg Dulcich in his first game? He looked really he looked really solid. I yeah, he well actually he did. Um, I, I just think I, I think he looked solid for different reasons. I think the play that stands out to everyone is that touchdown. Yeah, uh, I mean it was wide open. Uh, yeah, I mean any any NFL player. I mean even people not even in the NFL, like any any professional athlete, should have been able to make that play. Um, but there were there were a lot of routes where he was very wide open and he just didn't get the ball. Um, so. I, I do, and one thing I really like about him is I think he has a great ability to uh, read zones. I think he has a good ability to, you know, like he has good uh, awareness and be, being able to find those soft spots in zones. Yeah. So I, I, I was really impressed with Greg Dolchich. Um, I always get really back on starting guys that are so new like that. And I mean, he is a rookie. He's going into his second NFL game against a, you know, against a pretty good defense, and so um, I think he's probably out of all of those guys. I think he's going to give you the highest upside, but he also has the lowest floor um, because he's he's one of those guys where I could see him going off for like fifty to seventy yards and a touchdown and having a great day, but I could also see him not even getting a single target. So. Um, I, it, it, that's a hard one. I the safe play for me, I would have to go Latavius. Latavius Murray. Um, yeah, that kind of ties back into our previous question as well. Um, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for uh, that uh, fantasy football segment with Trayton. Um, obviously, uh, there's some a lot of things going on in the locker right now for the Broncos. Um, also, we want to touch on the Albert O situation. Um, a lot of people feel like he's being used incorrectly. A lot of people feel like he it just isn't good. Um, and he just has been underwhelming this season with the, the reps that he has been given. Um, he's been shined by Eric Sauber, regardless of what anybody has to say. I mean, Eric Sauber has just looked better. Um, you know, granted, there has been some drops there, but also by Albert O as well. So I feel like the tight end position, like, as a whole, has been underwhelming so far. Obviously, Eric Sauber had one of uh, Russ's few touchdowns this season in the Texans game. And then uh, Greg Dulcich, uh, since he looked really solid last week, that just gives the Broncos hope at that position. And that is also why the Broncos are fielding uh, trade calls right now for Albert Okwebidam, uh, in case you guys missed that news. Um, so you guys can uh, you guys can be very sure that uh, Albert O will, will most likely not be on this team by the bye week. Um, and he's... 100% not going to be active on Sunday. Um, I I mean, there is a slight chance, though. Maybe Hackett puts him out there and uh, gets him some good looks to raise his trade value. That's certainly um, an instance that we could possibly see. But uh, I don't know. I just feel I, I think he's going to be a, another healthy scratch this week um, just because the Broncos want to get Greg Dulcich some more reps there at the starting tight end uh, spot. Um, yeah, I like Greg Dulcich a lot. I'm not going to lie. He was one of my least favorite picks in this last coming draft, but he's really he's really grown on me. Um, 
I just felt like at that spot where we took him, we could have addressed other spots. Um, I know, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while and me and you talked about, um, you know, kind of what the Broncos did there in the mid middle section of their draft and how they could have addressed it differently. But, you know, regardless, Greg Dulcich is on our roster now, and I feel like he could really mold into uh, one of the best tight ends from his class, to be honest with you. With you. Oh, yeah, I, I believe the same, you know. And, yeah, again, I like I, I still am the draft pick, but um, I – and I think I, I believe I said the same exact thing back over the summer when we were breaking this down mm-hmm. is uh, the pick, love the player. Uh, I think I, I was super high on Dolchich uh, coming into the draft. And I like my, my analysis on him, our team ends up getting him, got a really good player. But, um, you know, he was not uh, he was not a positional need for the Broncos. Um, and that's. I know this may be an unpopular take, but I am a, I'm hundred percent. I like to draft with like, I, I draft for positional need. Um, I think that's what the point of the draft is, is to fill out the remaining holes you have left on your roster, or start building a foundation for your roster. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a pit, with a pick that early in the third round, um, I just like, I, I think you can find a plenty capable tight end in the fifth or sixth round. Um, Drafting a tight end that early to me, uh, I just don't think it it really fit with the direction of this team, and that's why I just said you know love the player, hate the, hate the pick. I don't think it addressed needs that needed to be addressed, um, or at least as important as other, or at least as uh, the tight end position was not as glaring of a need as um, the front office seemed to think, and uh, I I think I think we could have spent that re- that pick uh, elsewhere. Um, but it, you know, and it ends up turning into a even like a a top top seven to eight tight end in the league, and I know that may, that may be like wishful thinking, but um, if he can even be that good, I think we're in a good position. I think it was a good pick by Pat uh, by Peyton then, if that ends up happening. But I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't get your expectations too high just yet. Yeah, especially with the way this offense has been looking. Um, it also kind of, just now, I just kind of um, thought about this. With all these uh, Albert O trade rumors popping up, it kind of makes you think with um, us bringing up the fact that Dulcich was, you know, uh, obviously um, a, a high pick for us uh, last year. Um, there in the uh, third round. Um, was it third or fourth? Uh, I believe it was third. Yeah, yeah third round. Third. Um yeah, third round, uh, third round pick for a tight end. Um, it kind of makes you think, like, were they, were they kind of was Albert O kind of from that point on just um, kind of destined to be written off after that? Because you know Albert O, obviously, we took him in the fourth round, you know, right about that same point, and you know John Elway took him, and um, I know a lot of people have their strong opinions about that. They just kind of you know were like, okay, he kind of just was throwing Drew Lock weapons, and that was kind of the the purpose of that draft. Um, they were trying to give, you know, as many weapons as possible to Drew Locke to, you know, give him no reason to, uh, you know, have a lack of success here in Denver, which isn't always how it works. That obviously we can have our opinions on John Elway's draft skills, um, but um, I wasn't a huge, uh, I wasn't really against them double dipping on wide receivers and Jerry Judy and uh, Hamler. But, um, you know, when you draft Albert O in the fourth, you kind of expect him to be the starting tight end for your team in a while, for a while because you know tight end, the tight end spot position is kind of one. Uh, if you take high, you're expecting them to be the starter, if not, you know at least a second string that is in uh, two tight end packages for your team, um, if you need that. But um, yeah, after George Payne took Greg Dulcich, it kind of showed to Broncos fans that they want Dulcich to be the future of this team, and they don't believe that Albert O is the best fit for the outside zone scheme. Um, so I think that's something uh, interesting that uh, has been kind of portrayed clearly to uh, the, the Broncos fan base. Um, you know, with the way uh, Albert O has been, you know, I'm not going to argue too much about this, but he, we just haven't seen what we want to see out of him this year, regardless of it's his uh, lack of play or if it's the way the offense is using him. Um, you know, we just, we just kind of need someone to step up, uh, you know, at that, at that position and just the whole offense together needs to step up um, and be better. It's just, we're literally the worst offense in the NFL right now. It's not even debatable. Um, 
And so we're going to kind of wrap up uh, this episode with our daily, I'm sorry, our weekly game predictions. Um, First, who do you have as our offensive and defensive studs uh, for this game? Man, uh, offensively, this is, this is a tough one. Yeah. Um, because, and that's, you know, that, that's because we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback Sunday. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so this is a, if we, if we kind of, if we get this one, right, it's, it's a big, it's a big hit. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to, ch- I'm going to cheat the system. I'm going to give you one if Rip, if, uh, if Rippin plays and one if Russ plays. Fair, fair. If Rippin, if Rippin plays, I think, uh, I think Latavius Murray has a big day. Okay. If Russ plays, I think I could see in this one. I, I do not feel good about this one at all, but, um, I think, I think Judy could have a day. Interesting. Uh, I I think he's been he's been waiting for his since week one. I think he's due. And I'm not gonna lie, if I do, if if we don't start seeing something from Jerry here soon, um, and it's already came out. Albright already reported today that Jerry could be one that like the the Broncos would be uh, more than open to trading trading him. Uh, he's not being shopped, but if a team came with an offer that we couldn't refuse, I think we would definitely pull the trigger there. Um, and I think that's not a bad decision. I think that's just where we're at. Um, but I, I really do think that we're kind of nearing the, nearing the territory where, you know, in coming weeks, if, if we just keep seeing uh, nothing, and I know there's a lot, a lot of problems with this offense, not just Jerry, but, I I think here in the in the coming weeks, if he doesn't give us a few big games, I think that we could be uh, nearing the end of Jerry's t- uh, tenure in Denver, and I think we could be, I think, getting close to that territory of bust bust material. And I I don't want to say it, and I know I'm probably going to get uh, flamed for that, but it's the I think it's the harsh reality. He regardless of the quarterback, regardless of the offense at some point, you know, he, he's a first. You want to see some sort of production from him at some point, and he has not done that. So. Yeah. I mean, that that's very fair. He was taken ahead of Justin Jefferson. So. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a Hackett thing or if it's a Russ thing or if it's a, Jewish. well, it's not a Hackett thing because it, if that's the case, then it's a fan or it's a, a Shermer and a Hackett thing. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't think I think it does, and, and obviously I, I'm not high on Hackett. I, I'd say I'm even I'm pretty damn close, if not already, out on Hackett. Um, and then obviously we know how miserable the Shermer era was. But he, at some point, regardless of your situation, you just got to see production, and he has not been able to do that. Um, and, and that's another thing that you know that's what great players do is they they improvise and they should be able to succeed. Um, they should be able to succeed in a bad position, you know. Uh, so that's just my little nugget there. But um, defensively, uh, I I think that this is going to be a big, big, big Bradley Chubb game. And right. I'm not trying to cheat the system on this one, but just little uh, something I'd throw out there: a player to watch this game because I think they're going to be the most involved defensively. Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell actually. Uh, Josie Jewell and Al. Actually, I take my I take my pick back. Uh, I think Bradley's going to have a great game, but I think the I think the statistically, I think uh, Alex Singleton or Josie Jewell. It's going to be one of the linebackers. Um, just the volume and ball. Uh, I think just a lot of the you know defensive responsibility is going to be on them this week. Um, because you're not going to be able to you're not going to stuff Reese Hall and Michael Carter. You're not going to stuff them behind the line every play. Uh, sure, we can dominate in the trenches, but it's you know the the real responsibility where this game is going to be won and lost also is too with Singleton and uh, Jewel. Just like you you can't let them get past that second level. Uh, you can't let you can't afford big plays. So uh, I think a lot of responsibility is going to be on them, and then too just with the volume that the Jets run the ball, I think they're going to be in perfect position to run that 
uh, that stat sheet up, just like Singleton did last week. Yeah, I like it. Um, obviously, Singleton, 19 uh, solo tackles last week. That's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, obviously, tackles are – it's kind of a thing. We were talking about early on, like the fumbles, not the ball not bouncing your way. Um, you know, obviously, sometimes the uh, players may run more to our uh, Alice Singleton side rather than, you know, um, Jonas Griffith or one of the defensive linemen or linebackers or whatever it may be. Um, but, no, I feel like uh, Alex, Sing- Alex Singleton has displayed a very um, uh, impressive amount of pursuit on the ball. Um, he's been something uh, that the Broncos needed, and um, he's someone who a lot of Eagles fans told us that he was absolutely trash. And to be fair, in pass coverage, he isn't the best. Um, he's had a few, he had a few PBUs in the um, preseason, but this dude, in terms of tackling and uh, helping stop the run, he, he's really good. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, I, I can see one of the linebackers having a big game. Inside linebackers having one a big game. Uh, for d- defensively, for me. Um, it, it's good. Actually, I want to go to the secondary. I think Justin Simmons or PS2 uh, is going to have a big game. Um, my argument for Justin Simmons would be, I feel like the Broncos uh, defense, uh, Ezra Overo is going to have Justin Simmons or, um, yeah, Justin Simmons help Damari, Damari Mathis out more this week than last week. Um, I think that's something that, you know, they notice on film that he needs help, obviously, uh, especially in zone. Um, Damari Mathis is a man-to-man corner. That's at, at the end of the day, that's that's where he exceeds. He had a really good PBU last week on fourth down um, that helped the Broncos. Um, but yeah, in zone, he's going to get a lot of help from Justin Simmons. So I think we could see Justin Simmons pick off uh, Zach Wilson um, possibly. I just I don't see Zach Wilson leaving this game without at least one turnover, whether it's an interception or a forced fumble. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and take my chances on the secondary in this game. Um, I think PS2 is going to absolutely like own the shit out of this young uh, quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and lock in my pick for uh, PS2 this week. I know it's it's super safe to make that your pick because he's literally the best corner in the league right now. But and he, he every week he's having a great game. But I'm going to go ahead and take PS2 in this one. I think he, uh, he him or Simmons. I think honestly will it's going to be either one of them, if not both of them, has a pick. Um, and, uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball, it's a really a big toss up because the offense works in different ways with different quarterbacks. Um, if Russ is out there, I could see Sutton having a big game. Um, I could see Dulcich possibly having, um, a, another solid game. Um, and I can, you know, like you said, Judy could have a final, you know, a coming out game, uh, finally. Um, he's been open a few, uh, you know, especially in that Colts game, he was open a lot on uh, him and KJ. Um, maybe they finally give him the rock this week, but I don't know. It really could go either way this week. I don't see us having a big game on the ground against the Jets, to be honest with you guys. Um, I think if, if anybody's going to be an offensive stud for the Broncos this week, it's going to be um, either Russ um, or it's going to be one of our uh, receivers, if not both. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the com- another comfortable pick here with uh, Court. That's back-to-back weeks that I'm picking Sutton. Um, I'm going to go and pick Sutton this week. Uh, obviously, the Jets, man, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, arguably the best corner duo in the league. Um, they're just playing at an insane level right now. Um, Sauce Gardner and PS2 are, like, the best corners in the league right now in terms of uh, 2022 production. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. Um, I don't know. I'm just having a feeling Sutton uh, and uh, Simmons or PS2 have big games for us on both sides of the ball. And so uh, with that being said, that is going to be it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to uh, make sure to leave a rating. Um, we appreciate all the feedback on this podcast. Um, if you guys want us uh, to touch on any other uh, topics or subjects for the Broncos on this podcast, make sure to DM me on uh, at Broncos Avenue. Leave your uh, feedback. Um, also leave a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to uh, follow and turn on um, notifications so you guys are never late to listen to the podcast. Appreciate all the love and support. Hopefully we can get the um, the win this week against the uh, the Jets. Obviously, two and four, this is not where we want to start at all. But we're trying to uh, maintain a positive outlook. Um, still a lot of football left to be played. I'm looking forward to this Sunday's game. Um, hopefully we can terrorize uh, Zach Wilson, contain Brees Hall, 
and uh, win the turnover battle, like we said. Um, so with that being said, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to uh, stay tuned for our instant reaction on our next episode to the Broncos um, game against the Jets. Hopefully it's a win. Um, and we're going to go ahead and finish this one out with final score predictions. Um, who do you got in this one? Oh, man, nobody's going to like me. Uh, d- d- shit, I feel, I feel bad, but. I'm, I'm going to pick against us every week until I'm proven otherwise, you know. Uh, it's Like I said, I'm in prove-it mode. Uh, I, I have absolutely zero reason to believe that this team is going to put up even a, an average offensive performance. Um, so I think this will be another cl- low-scoring game. Um, I got the Jets winning. I got the Jets winning 20-13. to 20-13. to 13. I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos in this one. I don't see the Broncos dropping to two and five, um, but I also don't see the Broncos having a super inspiring, convincing win. Um, I don't see them having a great uh, game on offense, but I feel like they do enough. This defense shows in uh, week week in and week out. If the offense can do enough, they'll win this game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos in this one, 19 to 13. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to stay tuned for future episodes. Until the next one, peace.